Alrighty, another edition of The Rock Stops here with a big man. I mean big in six foot seven. Ben McDonald. Ben McDonald. Now, if you're a baseball aficionado, you will know who Ben McDonald is. If you're a casual baseball fan, maybe. Right now, he does color analyst work on TV for Baltimore Orioles games. He pitched for nine years. Uh, He was with the Baltimore Orioles um, for seven years. And then it was about two years with the Milwaukee Brewers. He had some shoulder issues and he had to retire early. He was, uh, I think, a year shy of 30 years old. That's young when you got to retire. 29. Do you remember what it was like to be 29 years old? But anyway, he was so decorated. I mean... He was a phenom. He was a basketball player, you know, 6'7", and a baseball pitcher. He also played football. I didn't have a chance to ask him this. I, I believe he was a kicker and a punter at 6'7", but he was all-state in both baseball and basketball. Huge, man. Just lights out, lights out, phenom. Had so much publicity. Everybody building him up. He's the next coming. He was the overall number one pick in the 1989 baseball draft out of LSU. Uh, he was incredible in college. Golden Spikes award winner. I mean, the best college player in the, in the country. You know, he's in the College Baseball Hall of Fame. He's done ESPN, college baseball. But like I say now, doing the Orioles. He's a Louisiana guy. Still got a little bit of that accent. A uh, family man, a good husband, a dad, coached his kids. Just an overall really, 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 really good guy. So this is very interesting. And he's going to tell a story here that it blew me away regarding Cal Ripken Jr., the great Cal Ripken Jr., the Iron Man, man. This story blew me away. So, and he's got another, he's got a couple more. Oh my God. Just really, really sit back and enjoy Ben McDonald. I mean, and then I'll give you the backstory. And then I got a couple of stories as I always do on the rock stops here. But if you're new, thank you very much for, uh, you know, checking out this podcast. It's how did you make it to the top in life? He made it major league baseball. He made it. As an MLB broadcaster for a team, he made it. ESPN, uh, you know, a Hall of Fame. How? What's 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 his secret? Well, how did he make it? What's life been after that? So anyway, here he is. Without further ado, the big man, Ben McDonald. All right, I am with. He was one of the most decorated heralds players. Coming out of high school, coming out of LSU, he's in the College Baseball Hall of Fame, Louisiana Hall of Fame, now a great, great color analyst uh, with the Baltimore Orioles doing their TV work. Still, I don't think he's lost any size. He's still six foot seven. He looks like he could pitch today. Ben, how are you? I'm doing great. I'm doing great. Um... Yeah, I'm afraid that ship has sailed on that pitching thing. You know, it seems like it was so long ago. But, yeah, I'm like everybody. Look, I try to stay in a little bit of shape if I can. And you, you hang around the game a little bit. And you end up, you know, that's what, you, that's what we do on the road. We do baseball and we work out at the hotel and we come to do ballpark. You know, that's what we do. When I interview guys that have been out for a little bit, 
I asked them, does it seem like it was almost a different lifetime ago? Or the fact that you're still kind of in the game, does it feel like it wasn't that long ago when you were on the mound? No, I've been fortunate to, to hang around the game since retiring, whether it was coaching the kids in travel ball, whether it was doing other things that I've done in my years since retiring from baseball. But, but no, it feels like a long time since I've actually played the game. And with some of the data that's out there and the metrics that we have in the analytical world that we live in now, it can really make you feel like you're a long way from the game. It really can. But at the end of the day, the game is still pretty much the same. It's still 60 feet, 6 inches from the rubber to the plate. It's still 90 feet. If you hit it over that wall out there, you get a home run. So in a lot of ways, the game is still the same, although in a time now, it feels like it's changed a lot. And it has some in some ways with the metrics and the things that we know and the, and the numbers that we understand in today's game. Uh, but a lot of time, it, it's still the same game. You've probably been doing broadcasting as long as you were a major leaguer i think even more now longer yes i I was lucky enough to play uh about nine years in the big leagues and unfortunately my career was over at 29 because i broke in at 21 and you know i had shoulder troubles and you know, it's a, it's a whole different show, but I probably threw too many innings and too many pitches in high school and college, and that led to a, a shorter career than I wanted. I'm thankful every day that I did get to to spend nine years at the major league level and, and in the big leagues right out, of high, uh, right out of college, rather. And so that was an adjustment for me, uh, but I'm fortunate to have done that. And now I'm very fortunate to have a second career in baseball which a lot of people don't get those opportunities and so I started off about 22 years ago doing Cox Sports Television out of Baton Rouge covering LSU baseball and it was actually my old legendary coach Skip Bertman came to me one day and he goes you know what you'd be good at I said what's that coach he said you'd be a great broadcaster I was like coach I didn't graduate from college. I'm like, I only got three years in college. He said, no, Ben, but people will love you because you got a good personality. You understand the game. You can explain the game in a way that people understand the game. So I kind of got my feet wet doing that. And all of a sudden, that led into some ESPN U stuff before there was the SEC network. And I, and I started going to, uh, to Charlotte and doing some, some baseball shows and doing a little few more ball games. Then, of course, the SEC Network got kicked off about 10 or 12 years ago, and that's when it really it went from more of a hobby for me to, hey, I might be able to make a career out of this kind of stuff. And somewhere in the middle of all that, about 12 years ago, the Orioles said, hey, we, we kind of like what you do. We want you to um, come be a part of this. And so that's kind of where I've been really the last with the Orioles. I started about 12 years ago, but it's been more full-time probably the last – five years it's been getting more and more involved i started off doing radio for the orioles and now that's kind of bled into uh the tv world where jim palmer does half the schedule and i do the other half the schedule around my college baseball responsibilities of about 45 games a year where i do you know a lot of sec stuff and then i do a, the sec tournament a regional a, a super regional and then the college world series i have done for the last five years you know it used to be If you were good enough coming out of high school, if you got the opportunity to get signed, Mm. you'd get right into pro ball because college baseball, you don't play as many games, you're not every day, it's looming about this and that. But at the highest level, even I found myself watching more college baseball Mm. this year, and LSU has become just a factory. Is that's a tough. When you were you were a kid, you were drafted not you know way down, but you elected to go to LSU and look at how it turned out. Right. I guess that's a tough decision right now. Right. Right. No, it, used it really to be, is. Get right in, but now, man, it the really college- is. You know, it, and then look, 
and, and, and I told everybody before my draft, my senior year in high school, I wanted that college experience. I was going to LSU to play basketball yes. and baseball. And actually signed with LSU. And a lot of people don't know this, but I was recruited more heavily coming out of high school to play basketball than I was baseball. And so I always wanted that college experience. And I kept telling everybody, and I'll never forget this story. The Braves still drafted me in like the 22nd round or something. And they kept going. Bobby Cox was a GM. And he came down to St. Francisville, Louisiana in that summer after they drafted me to watch me pitch and try to talk me into coming and being a Brave. And I was so scared because they got the $75,000 signing bonus at the time, which was second round money at the time. And my dad's an old school guy. He said, son, if they get to $100,000, you're signing. I was like, but dad, I, I don't, I don't want to go play pro ball. I want to go to LSU. I was 18 years old. I was a kid. I knew deep down in my heart that I was not ready to be away from home. I was not ready to be on my own with a little money in my pocket. I wanted to go to college and mature. And plus I wanted to experience playing college basketball and playing college baseball. And it was a wonderful decision that I made. I mean, everybody's circumstances and situations are different. I get that. I was lucky enough to go to LSU, play an elite eight in basketball and the college world series my freshman year then win Olympic gold medal the next year in the 1988 Olympics. So I could never tell anybody not to go to college. Now, here's a tricky part to that because I do a lot of college stuff. I understand the numbers say on major league rosters this year, 52% of our major leaguers that were on major league rosters came from college baseball. Wow, 25% came from the international market and about 24% came from high school kids. Wow. So a lot of kids, are, to your point, a lot of kids are starting to recognize now that, hey, maybe the fastest way to get to the big leagues might be college now. And yeah. so to your point, we're starting to see the Dylan Cruises, a few of them, the Paul Skeenses that were at one and two in the draft this year, all of a sudden say, hey, I want that college experience, man. I want to know what that's like to get some of my education, but then to be able to play at a very high level within the SEC. And maybe I can skip over a few levels of rookie ball when I do that. And so we're starting to see that, and guys are making – well, I mean, you look at Paul Skeens and you look at Dylan Cruz, you want to take those two guys, for example. I mean, Dylan Cruz is offered a lot of money. He didn't go out of high school, comes to LSU, but he quadruple. He's going to quadruple his signing bonus. And so you're starting to see a lot of guys want that college experience, and I don't blame them for that. Now, if you're drafted in the first round out of high school, I would never tell any kid to turn down two, three, four, five million dollars. In my heart, I couldn't do that to you, right? But, you know, look, in today's world, man, $500,000 sounds like a lot, and it is, but. 500 grand, man, that's not going to take you through the rest of your life. And government gets 40, 50% of that with taxes, right? I mean, what you got left at the end of the day? So I think that's why you're starting to see more and more of these kids want that experience. I saw a video at the College World Series coming back to the hotel where Skeens had to have the the uh, escort yes. and, and, and security and stuff. And I was like, college baseball? But it was so big. And I started thinking back to your day. Mm. The, oh my God, being a kid, having so much hype, you were big, you threw so hard, you were yeah. so good. How were you able to handle that, man? Were you just, were you a quiet kid? Did you not mind that? I can't imagine that because boy, boy, when you were, it was. Yeah, you know, I found out expectations can be a tough thing. And there were some rough days for me. I'm not, you know, I, th this story's out there and. You know, I, I pitched two starts in the minor. I signed on August the 19th, 1989 with the Orioles. I made two quick starts in the minor leagues, and I was in the big leagues 11 days later on September the 1st. 
and I came from a world where Skip Bertman called every pitch I ever threw in college. And all of a sudden now, I'm 21 years old. I'm standing on the mound, and I'm facing Corey Snyder and Paul Molitor and Kirby Puckett and Wade Boggs. And now i got to call my own game. I didn't have a clue what I was doing. I didn't know anything. And one of my first relief appearances I had in 89, Jamie Quirk was one of the catchers, and Bob Melvin, the manager of Padres, one of my catchers. Bob Melvin called 32 consecutive fastballs. And I was so scared to tell him, hey, I got four other pitches. I can throw something <laughs> other than a fastball, yeah, you know? Yeah. And so, so I was in a man's world, man. I was out of my league in a lot of different ways. And so thank gosh for Cal Ripken Jr., who for whatever reason took a liking to me. And he kind of took me under his wing, and he started to kind of bring me around and show me stuff. We would talk about certain things. You probably know the story. You read his book, My Second Year in the Big Leagues. He called every pitch I ever threw from the shortstop position. And it's a great story. So Chris Hoyles was a young catcher my second year, and me and Chris was, was having an adult beverage after the game, sitting in the clubhouse just drinking a beer, and Cal Ripken sticks his, his head in there. He goes, he looks at us, he goes, you boys don't have a clue what you're doing, do you? I, I said, no, no, sir, Mr. Ripken, I have no idea what I'm doing. And he said, well, he comes and sits, sits down beside us, and he goes, this is what I'm going to do then. It stays in this triangle right here. It stays between me, you, and Chris Halls. If anybody else finds out about it, if the pitching coach finds out about it, or the manager, I'm out. I said, yes, sir, Mr. Ripken. He sat there and he called every pitch from shortstop I ever threw that year. And I was funny, I'd look in the home plate and I could see Chris Hoyle's not looking at me. He's looking over my right shoulder where the shortstop Cal Ripken Jr. is. And Jr.'s the way he's holding his glove or where he's touching his chest, he's calling the pitch and the location. That was my growing up and learning process at the big league level because after every game, me and Chris Hoyles and Cal Ripken Jr. would sit down in the clubhouse. We'd have four or five beers apiece, and we would talk about this is why I threw Kirby Puckett this pitch in this, in this situation. This is why I wanted to pitch him like this in this situation with a runner on second base and that being the time. And I went, oh, my gosh. That was the learning process for me That's incredible. at the major league level. And Cal writes about it in one of his books. And then, wow. of course, the next year – Rick Sutcliffe comes over, who I could relate to at six foot seven. Yes. Guy that threw hard in his time. He was yes. in my wedding. We became best friends. Um, and he was the other maturing process of getting me over the hump. But it was veteran guys that kind of got me over. So it's a unique story. But look, there were some rough days in there for me. And, and I tell this all the time. There was a lot of days I went home and I banged my head up against a wall wondering why I couldn't. Because I'd never failed at anything, man. I won a state championship, pitching two college world series, won a gold medal. I'd never failed at anything. And all of a sudden, you're up here at this level, man. And this game is built on failure. And I found that out in a hard way. It was a rough time for me and you can tell I'm emotional when I talk about it but I got through it I was mentally tough I had a good I had good parents my lovely wife I had players that cared about me coaches and, and I got through it and all of a sudden man after I got about 200 innings in the big leagues that light bulb it starts to flicker a little bit you know and you start to figure out this is what I have to do to be successful. These are the things I have to do in order to be successful. And you get a game plan every – and that game plan might change in the second inning, and you got to go do something else. And so it's just a learning process, man, of being around this game. It is a very, very tough game, but I love it. I love, I love the playing side of it, and now I love the part of being able to talk about it now. Just a couple more. What was it like to have USA on your chest? Mm. I I think it was in South Korea. And Seoul, I think South you Korea. Beat South Korea. And I think it was was it Puerto Rico. Or, yeah. But what was that? What what is that experience like, Ben? People always ask me, man. You were able to. You were lucky. I said yes. I I was able to do a lot of things. But that to me, man, 
When you put red, white, and blue on and you step on foreign soil, it just means a little bit more. It just does. And to go represent where the city you come from, your university, the state you come from, and the greatest country to me in the world, the USA, to be able to go represent that uh, is the best experience of my life, That's no awesome. doubt. And, and, you know, I tell people all the time, it, it, it just... I don't know. It, it's hard to explain, but I was a big Olympian growing up like a lot of people. I loved the Olympics. And as a kid, I always wondered, man, what would it be like to get on that platform and have somebody drape a gold medal over your neck? What would that feeling be like? Oh, I want to do that. And when I got an opportunity to do it and it actually happened, man, you know, I, I thought I had died and gone to heaven because that was a you talk about a bucket list item, something you wanted to try to accomplish and didn't know if it ever would happen. You'd it'd be an Olympic team. You get a chance to do that. So that stands at right at the top of the accomplishments for sure. All right. Here's my last one. I ask all my guests. It's how you've made it to the top. You made it to Major League Baseball as a dad. I know you've coached your kids and how important that was. Now, as a broadcaster, Major League Baseball, Kyle, you're at the top. Mm. You made it. What is the best piece of advice you can give a young person? This is what I'll tell young people. What my grandfather told me many, many years ago when I was 10 years old. He said, son, how you do anything is how you do everything. Didn't understand that at the time. But as I got older, I, and of course he's passed and he's been gone. But he said, how you do anything is how you do everything. And now I know what he meant. You put the work in. You do what you can do. You prepare yourself. I prepared myself as a baseball player. My career was cut short because of injuries, some things we can't control. But I come out every day wanting to be the best at what I do. I don't want to just do this. Like, I'm one of these people, like, if I want to do it, I want to be the best at it. Like, I want to be the best at what I do. I'm not, I'm not here just to collect a paycheck or have fun. If I'm going to put my time into something, if I'm going to be away from my family, I'm gonna be the best at it, and that's what. And, and I'll tell everybody, hey, I want to be the best at what I do. I, and and, I, and I, I'm fortunate to work with Kevin Brown. He wants to be the best, and so we push each other. This young team that we have, they push each other. They're fun to watch this year. But that's just the kind of person I am. Like, if I play you in Jacks when we get off this thing, I want to beat you in Jacks. Like, I want to be the best. You know, if if we play marbles, I want to beat you. That's just instilled in me. It's been as in me as a kid. I just want to be the best at what I do. You know, and I'm gonna work every day to try to be that person. Ben, I can't thank you enough. Continued success, my man. Thank you. I certainly appreciate it. You know, he had so much publicity. When you're a teenager, you know, it sounds great. You know, we all want to be, not all, not everybody, but a lot, you know, you want to be famous. You want to be famous and you get a lot of uh, perks that comes with fame. You know what I mean? Right to the front of the line. Uh, that bill's on us. Here you go. Uh, again, when you're a young man, you, chicks, you know, all that jazz. But there's another side to it. And he even said in there, expectations. You know, he was projected to be the next Nolan Ryan. You know, a Hall of Famer in baseball. And it didn't turn out. He had a decent career. But, it, you know, Dallas Braden. Dallas Braden. He's the guy with the beard. He threw the no-hitter against the uh, the perfect game against the Tampa Bay Rays, Oakland A's. He's an Oakland A's broadcaster. He was in Barstool. He's on a great podcast. He's a good dude. And his career was cut short by injuries. And none of these guys are like, you know, oh, man, you know, if I didn't get my arm injuries, man. I, no. 
very appreciative of what they had, and then being able to parlay that and use that to their benefit to further themselves in their career or their next career. Perfect example, not sports-related, Jim Brewer. Jim Brewer is a great comic. Very good. Witty, fast, energetic, can do a lot of voices, facial expressions, Regardless of, you know, whether or not you, you agree with his, po- you know, uh, politics, things like that. But he was on Saturday Night Live, young, SNL, as Goat Boy. And he used that, used that. Like if you were a major league baseball player and you made it, or like Dallas Brayton, do a perfect game, use that. Ben McDonald, one of the greatest college baseball players ever, Hall of Famer in that regard. Okay, use that. Now he's doing it in broadcasting. But again, he coached his kid's team. So I just really enjoyed that. Didn't know him at all. Uh, It was a day before, and I thought, you know what? I was here to interview somebody else, and I thought, who? let me see who's on the O's broadcast team. I was hoping Jim Palmer was going to be there because Jim Palmer, now you got to go way back way back but as a kid to me Jim Palmer was the man and a great pitcher and still does Orioles select Orioles games and I saw him in the booth the Rays booth he was talking to Andy Freed who's their play-by-play guy and he was visiting earlier this season and it almost like that's Jim Palmer like a little bit starstruck whoa because as a kid man I looked up to him and it was like wow he looks fantastic And I didn't know if he was traveling for this last series. And then I saw Ben McDonald. I'm like, Ben McDonald? And I was up in the the third level where they do the broadcast for the games. It's one level up from the press box where we sit. And I heard his voice. And I'm like, oh, that, that Louisiana. He, that's Ben McDonald. He was talking to the play by play TV voice, Dwayne Stats and, And I thought, man, he'd be great. And I Googled him up and I'm like, I remember he was such a big name. I knew he played basketball and baseball. He was one of the greatest college pitchers ever. Yeah, I remember him in the in the bigs. And and oh, he was on the US Olympic team. They won gold medal in South uh, South Korea. Oh my God, it he would be a great story. Maybe so. I, the next day, I went up. He was up there. He was doing something. I said, Ben, my name is Rock Riley. I'm out of Tampa. I've been around here a long time as a broadcaster. I'd love to get you for a couple of minutes, man, on all your success that you've had. And he's like, sure. You want to do it tomorrow? I was like, let's do it tomorrow. And we set the time, and he was up there. And I'll tell you what, man, he does so much preparation. He's got colored markers. Um, You should see his notes. It's impressive. It is impressive. For a guy that's played and pitched for his baseball career, and he played it at the highest level, you would think he'd be able to just, you know, walk in and no, 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 no. And like he said there at the end, I want to beat you. If it's checkers or tiddling, whatever, man, I I, I want to beat you. And he's competitive. And he's he's he was just a great guy once again. So I came downstairs after I did that interview. And I was talking to a coworker, and this coworker is a journalist, but he also does stats for broadcast teams, 
Like he'll do, he does some spring training games. He does a couple of regular season games, and he does stats. And he's worked with the majority. And I said, oh, he's just up with Ben McDonald. He's a great guy. And he's like, oh, yeah, he is. I did a couple of Orioles games. And I said, yeah, he's great. He was talking to Dwayne. Dwayne is great. All these guys, all these guys, like there's no real jagoffs. And and he goes like, yeah, everybody that I work with. it, It's a smaller bunch of people than you think. And it's tight-knit. And everybody knows everybody. And... It's funny, too. The relationship I can have now with former players is different than when I was covering them and they were playing. Number one, they were young and they were making it. And it's kind of funny. Like, after the limelight is over and after your career is done and it's kind of taken away, mostly you hardly ever go out on your own terms. It's usually, especially for baseball and especially for pitchers, it's injury, it's arm, it's shoulder, and they just can't do it anymore. And and you're usually a young man. Like, look at Ben. He was 29 years old. They're humbled a little bit. And like, what do I do now? Because all they prepared for is to make it to the top level major leagues. And now you're 30 years old and what? You didn't finish college. What are you going to do? You've trained to be a football player, a basketball player, a hockey player, a baseball player. And you're still a young man. And you can't sit around. You can only play so much golf or fish if that's your thing, you know? So it's funny. I remember when Michael Jordan tried to play baseball. He had not played organized baseball since he was in the seventh grade. And he made it to AAA. Now, yes, the Jordan, Michael Jordan name, he was a draw. He was on the Birmingham Barons. I remember covering his press conference in Sarasota because he was with the White Sox. He did it on top of the dugout. There was a lot of media there. I think I don't think I was in TV yet in, in Tampa. I think I was just on radio, and I drove down there. I think. Uh... But I remember a funny story where he said when he got into baseball in the minor leagues and he was taking these long bus rides and he was living with these minor league players, he's like, the majority of baseball players like to fish and hunt. And he's like, when I was in the NBA, nobody fished or hunted. It was just, isn't that funny? It's it's different. They were in whatever else they were into. It's just, uh, and for for Michael Jordan to make like he was real skinny he didn't have a lot of power like when I saw his swing you know he, he did the press conference but he also took BP he threw in the outfield and I was like there's no way he's gonna there's no way he's no way he's gonna make it through double a you know Tebow tried Tebow was a great athlete remember he, he couldn't make it I mean you're going up against guys from the Dominican Puerto Rico Venezuela, the the DR, Dominican, and that's all that they did when they were kids. They didn't have anything else, and it, it Cuba, and it's just incredible to me the athleticism that Michael Jordan actually had to made it to AAA, and he hit a home run. He hit a home run. I know, I I. Boy, this is years ago, but there was a guy from a Birmingham, Alabama station, and he was I was talking to him, and he was like, every night 
they didn't even have they didn't even the games weren't even televised seriously they had to, if you were at a Birmingham TV station an affiliate the sports guy had to go out and shoot highlights of Michael Jordan with Birmingham Barons just in case he hit the home run and because they didn't they didn't now I I'm assuming every triple A game is televised hell the double A games are televised aren't they or at least there's cameras I maybe even A ball but back then they did not put the Birmingham Baron games on TV so they would have to go every single night and he said that you know and when you're when you're at a local station you're by yourself at night you got to edit highlights you got to get the graphics ready you got to ha- do the audio you got to edit you got to write it for the teleprompter for the director for the uh, there's other there's like more people involved it isn't just you going out on the set and so if you go out and drive out to the game and set up your camera and shoot and then drive back and then take that out you you you're taking away your time because you're just by yourself at night ready to go back on for the 11 o'clock news this is back in the day and he said that he went to every single home game and he would shoot Michael Jordan's at bats and the one time that he left Michael Jordan hit the home run and that home run went viral it went on ESPN it went on all the shows and highlights that Michael Jordan finally hit a home run but it's just interesting it's just interesting and just seeing like the baseball guys and all being able to do this podcast if I didn't have the podcast, would I be able to interview Ben McDonald? No. I'm there covering the Rays, this and that. Another guy, Kevin Cash. One of the players from the Rays, and I can't remember who it was, put it best. I really like Kevin Cash. I like him as much as I like Joe Madden. He just seems like such a down-to-earth guy. And this is your player's coach, player's manager. Well, the thing is, you got to be a disciplinarian when it's needed. He He does that. One of the players on the Rays put it best. He said, cash motivates without being motivational. In other words, without the motivational speech, the rah-rah, but yet he he just, he does motivate like you do want to give your best for him. He tapped me on the shoulder because I don't ask many questions. The day-to-day media, the, the three, four that are really the beat, beat, beat people on that beat, they want to know updates on so-and-so had a rehab assignment. How's he doing? Oh, you have so-and-so batting second in the lineup today. Is that because of uh, he matches up better with the pitcher? Those questions. And it's day-to-day. The baseball, if you don't know, a baseball manager meets with the media before and after every single game. Can you imagine that? Uh, and so I don't say much, but I'm just there. I'm there to do either features. I shoot some video. I might do that story. I'm trying to get guests from my Rock Stop Share podcast, and which is also on the Tampa Free Press. Um, and now and then I'll do a little feature. We have another reporter that covers the Rays. And so I don't really say much. And the other day, Wander Franco, who's the star shortstop, came over, and I was standing there with my phone. I had my uh, my Zoom recorder, my microphone. I had it right there near the screen this is before the fans are in and it was a former it must have been a former player maybe he was an agent he speaks spanish and he was talking about wander franco franco came over and i was standing right there 
And then Cash came over. He goes, how's your English? To this guy. Like he knew who this guy was. And they were talking, talking, talking. And then Cash came by me. And I and Cash goes, hey, man. Boom. Hit me on the shoulder. It was like real sincere. And it was just like, he's just a good guy. And that's what I found. That is what I found. It's probably the same thing with hockey. Football, there's more coaches. You know, there's a lot more coaches than there is. Well, baseball has quite a few now. So does, so does hockey when you're up at that level. But it, it's a smaller little group than you think. It's very, very, very interesting. So my thanks. Oh, the, and how about that? That story blew me away where Ben McDonald makes it to the majors. He had never called his own pitches. And he didn't know how – he didn't know anything. And 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 how about Cal Ripken's like, you don't have a clue. Let's keep this amongst ourselves. And Cal Ripken called – he called every single pitch. Imagine playing shortstop and having to do that. He did that for him. Cal Ripken Jr. was the man, was the man. When he was on his Ironman streak, so many consecutive games without taking a break, he also would drink beer at his locker. He would have a 12-pack, like, delivered after every single game. He, he That way he didn't have to meet, you know, wait. Some autograph seekers are outside, and you're dealing with the public. He just liked to drink some beers. He also loved basketball. He has a basketball. Now, he used to. I know uh, Tim Kirchin told me this. That he played. Tim Kirchin of ESPN, the little guy, baseball aficionado. I have been told he is a tremendous basketball player. He's about 5'6". And he goes used to go over to Cal Ripken Jr.'s house and play basketball. Cal Ripken Jr. had an indoor basketball court. I think that would be tremendous. I would love to have an indoor basketball court. That ain't happening. I'm, I, I'm getting the studio just about complete. I got to get my lighting done better, but I'm pretty happy with it. And so uh, things thing, thing, things are moving along. But he, I, I, you know, I forgot to ask him. I, I jot down some notes before I do it, but I just sit there. I'm not looking at notes. I'm looking at him, whoever I interview. He put an alligator in a bathtub of his roommate in spring training. I think it was with the Orioles. And being from Louisiana, I guess he was able to handle an alligator. I, I'm not touching an alligator. But I, that damn, that would have been a damn. I wish if I see him again, and I see him again, and I probably will. Uh, I'm gonna hit him up on that, and I'll let you know. So anyway, that's that. I am getting ready for. If football season's here now, football season's here. This is the week training camp started. I am so freaking pumped. I stopped by uh, a place in Safety Harbor, Florida, a craft beer bar that my buddy, two of my friends are bartenders and then the other two guys are really cool dudes and I stopped the other day and I was just like he's a Pittsburgh Steeler fan the other one's a Detroit Lions fan from Michigan from PA and we're all just like fist bumping like football's here football's here football season is here it just I just can't tell you how much I just finished booking I am going well I am going to Canton for Rondé Barber's Hall of Fame induction Last week was Cooperstown. I know Fred McGriff went in. I worked with Freddie for years, the crime dog. I wish I was able to go to that. It's really cool to go to Cooperstown, Canton, 
it's like a time warp. You're in a time warp, man. Little towns and just they roll out the red carpet for this event once a year. And I cannot wait. I'm flying to Cleveland and then going to uh, Canton. So I'll let you know. Really looking forward to that. And hopefully I get some killer guests for the Rock Stops Here podcast. And now I have also booked my flight to New Jersey. Beautiful Newark International Airport. But no, I was born and raised, well, I was born in Scranton, PA, but we were only there a year. I was, I'm a New Jersey guy, North Jersey, North Jersey, Dover, New Jersey, and Morris Catholic High School, William Patterson College, after Leo's two years. I cannot wait. Aaron Rodgers, all the hype with the New York Jets, HBO's, the Hard Knocks crew is going to be there. I experienced that when they were here. Um, Bucks are going to practice. I'm not even going to the game at the Meadowlands. I'm going to be coming back, but I'm going to be gone Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and flying back Friday. But here's the big thing for me. Okay, I'm going to be staying in this town called Hanover, very close to Florham Park where the Jets have their facility for two nights. Then I got one other night free. Oh, my good buddy from high school, Eddie R.C. We got to hook up, bro. He lives in Stanhope. My brother lives in Brooklyn. It is a hassle for me. I don't know my way around to go through the city and to get over to Brooklyn. Oh, my God. To me, it's a hassle. I'd love to see my brother. Maybe I'll ask him if he wants to just meet me in Hoboken. He can take the, he can come over quick and then I can just drive. I got a rental car. But I'm trying to figure this all out. Or do I not do anything? I try to go in the city. Do I try to go? Do I try to stay there in Brooklyn? Then I fly out. I don't fly out till the next day at night at Newark. But And isn't it funny? Like, that's what's taking up all my time. Oh, I can't go there. Oh, and I want to go to WSUS. I want to see this Steve uh, Allen. I hooked up with him and his buddies and had a blast. That's where I started my career in radio and then I visited the graveside of my wife who had passed and, and all this and that and it brings out you know I'd like to I'd like to go there you know I can't make it everywhere do you ever do you ever have that where if you go back to your home area and even though it's been so long since I lived there you still I'd like to go there I'd like to go back to see the house where I grew up I'd like to go there I'd like to go to Dover I have my buddy Disco Mays does he bartend at the at the Elks Lodge or whatever, right there in the town, that would that would freak him out if I, I haven't seen him in, I don't know, thirty years. That would be unbelievable if I just walked in on the night he's bartending and hey, what's up, Disco? As we used to call him, Disco Maze. When Disco, oh my God, I'd like to go there. I'd like to see Ed. I'd like to see my brother. I'd like to go to Sussex County. I'd like to. What do I do? What do I do? But I know that I am going to look forward to seeing the Bucks versus the Jets for three, two practices and hopefully there'll be some big name media there'll be some big names there too that I can stockpile from the rock stops here so I'm excited man I am excited I love going back to Jersey I do I do it's in my blood man it really is and especially after this brutal summer of heat and humidity here so it's been brutal but football season is here I am pumped up Cannot wait, and uh, I just can't stink and wait. Can't stink and wait. 
All right, that is about it. I'm trying to think if there's anything else. I was going to get into it, but I'm not, I'm not even like, do you, are you noticing there's not as much hype surrounding Jake Paul? Is it me? I mean, he's fighting Nate Diaz. It's going to be interesting. But I just don't get the high. I, I don't know. It, it, here's another thing, too. The amount of money that some young people are making via the Internet, especially girls, is mind-boggling. Blows me away. And most kids think that that's how it's easy. You're going to be able to make money. And it's just two different worlds, two different worlds. Like, let me tell you, my daughter is on all of everything. She knows everything. She's 14 years old. She's going to be a freshman in high school. The other day I was playing the Foo Fighters in my studio here. And I mirrored my phone to my TV that's here. I don't, we don't watch TV. Everything is... <clears throat> excuse me everything is streaming we stream that's it and i'm sure a lot of you are doing the same thing now so i had the foo fighters live on and i'm drinking a beer and i'm watching it my my daughter comes in she's like what are you watching i'm like a concert man the foo fighters you've heard of them right now she's on her phone all the time she knows what's going on currently. She's like, never heard of them. I'm like, you never heard of the Foo Fighters? Dave Grohl and the Foo Fighters? Now she's 14 years old. Her life, her, she thinks that I am so old, which I am, that I am so out of touch that my dad jokes that I don't even try are so bad that I don't even know anything that's going on, that I'm so outdated. My wife and her are going to a, a, a boy band concert in Orlando. Tickets are expensive. And they're going over. And I, I don't know. I've never heard of any of these. And, they, and she's like, they got so many followers, 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 followers. And it just blows me away. So I told that story at the craft beer bar last night. And the one bartender said, who did he compare the Foo Fighter for, for my daughter, who's 14? It would be like uh, knowing like uh, Tony Bennett or something. Like it was just so funny, and it's just so funny and it's so different. Oh my god! But that's how it is, right? I just if I start getting like that, get off my lawn, guy. Though, slap me, hit me around, do something, knock me down, because I don't want to be the bitter old guy that everything used to be better back in the day. I don't want to be that. I really don't want to be that. But I also don't want to fake it like I know what the hell is going on. What's cool now? Because <laughs> I don't. I don't. Oh, my God. What are you watching? Emily, uh, my dog. What are you watching? She mentions it. I have no clue what it is. No clue. No clue. And she follows these stars that have so much following. And they're doing blah. Like, all they're doing is just telling about their day. Probably what I'm doing. But I'm only doing a once a week podcast. At least I'm bringing on guests. 
and t- and I hear it in the background. It's like so boring, and I'm like, and she listens. She knows everything that they're going got going on. Anyway, what's what makes the world go round? Listen, thank you to my big man, Ben McDonald. Guys, it is freaking football season. I say no more. Talk to you next week.